This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 3rd, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. Last week's victory for educational freedom in New Hampshire came at a critical time as other states now face challenges to popular school choice regimes. Jason Bedrick helped craft that reform that was upheld last week in New Hampshire. He talks about some of the current challenges to educational freedom. The Supreme Court in New Hampshire tossed out uh, a petition to essentially shut down their scholarship tax credit program for uh, students' educations. Uh, But another program uh, in Oklahoma had a strikingly different result. What was was that case about and uh, what's the difference? Yes, both laws were challenged under each state's uh, uh, historically anti-Catholic Blaine Amendment, uh, which says that public dollars cannot be used to fund uh, private religious schools. Uh, now, that, that, was, uh, that came from uh, a state senator in Maine who, uh, in the late 1800s, uh, was a part of the Know Nothing Party and was uh, pushing to make sure that Catholics couldn't receive public funding for their schools while, of course, the public schools were essentially non-denominational Protestant and they were teaching the Bible, the Bible in a manner that uh, Protestants from numerous denominations would be happy with and Catholics would not be happy with. The difference between the two cases is that Oklahoma has a voucher law. Uh, their voucher law is for low, actually it's for special needs students to attend the school of their choice using public funds. And so the Oklahoma judge found that the voucher law violated the state's Blaine Amendment and that those funds could not be used uh, at a religious school. And so he struck down the program. Uh, in New Hampshire, uh, New Hampshire has a scholarship tax credit program uh, where students still receive funds to go to the school of their choice. In New Hampshire, they can go to an out-of-district public school, to a private school, or to uh, or, or they can use it for homeschooling expenses. But it doesn't use public funds. Uh, corporations make donations to nonprofit scholarship organizations, and they receive an 85% tax credit for those donations. And then the Uh, the scholarship organizations fund private citizens who want to send their kids to the school of their choice. At no point in time does that money enter the public treasury. And uh, so the, in deciding that the petitioners were not harmed in any way and therefore did not have standing to even bring a suit, the state court in New Hampshire was in some sense echoing the U.S. Supreme Court, which ruled a few years ago in a decision concerning a similar law in Arizona that uh, that plaintiffs do not have standing because the funds are private funds. And in the words of the court, money does not become public money until it enters the tax collector's hand. And in no case does the, do the funds enter the tax collector's hands. There is another uh, voucher program in North Carolina that was uh, struck down by a superior court judge there, what did he find and what were the the details of that program? Yeah, that's a statewide program for low-income students to receive a voucher to go to the school of their choice. And the uh, district court judge found that it violated uh, their state constitution. It's it's a different provision, uh, but the ruling uh, essentially is, is, or the issue essentially is similar in that the judge ruled that 
public funds cannot be going to private schools that aren't required, in his view, to teach anything. Now, that's really ridiculous because private schools are more accountable than public schools because private schools are accountable directly to parents who can choose whether to send their child there or to remove their child and send them somewhere else. Low-income families uh, often have no other choice besides their assigned district school. So to say that uh, private schools are unaccountable is a very, I mean, frankly, it's a statist view of accountability, that you're only accountable if the government tells you to do something. But if the government doesn't tell you to do something, then you aren't accountable, even if study after study after study shows that the private schools are outperforming the public schools. Uh, so the, the claim that the judge made was really without merit. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, uh, the children in North Carolina would be in a much better position if they had adopted a scholarship tax credit program, because then the first part of the judge's claim would certainly not be true, uh, which is that they are, the problem is that they're using public funds. If they were to adopt a scholarship tax credit program, then as the New Hampshire or the, the United States Supreme Court and the Arizona Supreme Court before it ruled, it would be using private funds and so uh, wouldn't be a constitutional issue. So the only accountability that uh, this judge was considering was the accountability that the state provides. Right. He pointed at the number of rules and regulations that the state has on public schools, you know, when it comes to teacher certification and the amount of uh, you know, seat time, the amount of time students have to be in the classroom, uh, what things have to be taught, uh, the testing regime. Uh, it's appropriate for a state to, to impose standards uh, on government-run schools because those are monopoly schools. When you have a monopoly system, it's necessary for there to be certain rules and regulations to make sure that the, the monopoly is not abusing uh, its, its privileged position. But those monopoly regulations are entirely inappropriate to foist onto a market system where the accountability is directly to parents and parents can vote with their feet and go somewhere else. So that's why it's, uh, it's sort of absurd for the judge to make the claim that there's no accountability. It's just a form of accountability I, I imagine he hasn't thought through very well. There is another uh, case in Florida that is pending that is closer to the one in New Hampshire, right? There are actually three pending lawsuits in Florida. Uh, the most recent one was filed yesterday, the same day as the New Hampshire lawsuit uh, was decided. And uh, the uh, local teachers union, the PTA, and the Florida School Boards Association are charging the uh, scholarship tax credit program in Florida, which has been in existence for 13 years now. Uh, so that's highly unusual. In most cases, these lawsuits come soon after the program is enacted. Um, why they waited more than a decade is is unclear. Uh, but they, are, uh, they have some charges that are similar to New Hampshire, that uh, the program uses public funds unconstitutionally to, um, to help students that are going to private religious schools. Uh, so it's likely, based on the precedent in other states in the U.S. Supreme Court, that the uh, Florida Supreme Court will rule accordingly and reject those claims. Uh, the other two lawsuits uh, are a bit more complicated. One of them concerns the uniformity clause in Florida's constitution, 
which essentially says that Florida has to provide a system of free uh, public schools to all students. And so uh, the plaintiffs allege that the uniformity clause means that they may, the state may only provide access to those schools, whereas uh, the defendants argue that no, um, the uniformity clause only means that the state must provide free schools. It doesn't forbid it from doing more than that by providing other opportunities for children. Uh, and what the term uniform means is also something that's contested. Uh, the final lawsuit uh, is being defended by the Goldwater Institute in Arizona. And the claim there is, is just a procedural one. It's not a substantive one. It, it has to do with the manner in which the law was passed. Uh, there were a number of bills that were consolidated into one omnibus education bill and then passed that dealt with uh, what the plaintiffs claim is a variety of subjects and what the defendants claim is really all subsections of one subject, which is uh, public education. And so we will see uh, how the court rules on that. If the court strikes that uh, strikes that law down, it will uh, it will affect the expansion of the scholarship tax credit program, and it would also uh, it would also kill the the new education savings account program that uh, Florida just enacted. What's really interesting is that the year before, uh, teachers received a pay raise as a part of an omnibus education bill, and yet they didn't have any constitutional qualms with the manner that that omnibus bill was passed, uh, violating the one-subject rule of the uh, Florida Constitution, and yet this year, suddenly, they have high dudgeon when it comes to um, the constitutionality of that procedure. Do you have a suspicion why a lot of these lawsuits are coming about now? Are these, is it just that these programs are so new? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the, every time we have a, a new school choice law, there's a move to, to file a lawsuit. Uh, not in every single case, but especially when it comes to vouchers and especially in, in states where there hasn't been a lawsuit previously. Uh, the you know, school choice programs are winning in the court of public opinion, and so the, the opponents of school choice and the defenders of the status quo need to go to the, the court system to, to try and stop them. They've, they've had some successes in blocking voucher programs. So far, scholarship tax credit programs have a perfect record of constitutionality. Uh, so policymakers that are considering uh, expanding educational choice should look at scholarship tax credit programs as the model going forward. Um, but the reason we're seeing more and more lawsuits now is because there are more and more programs that are being adopted. Jason Bedrick is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute's Center for Educational Freedom. Read more of his work at Cato.org.